If there's one phrase you hear from this pulpit more than any other, it's probably this. To understand today's reading, it helps to have a little bit of context. It's almost a cliche at this point. To understand today's reading, you have to know what came immediately before or immediately after. If you got confused during that 40-verse reading, well, let me clarify things with another 20 verses. Today's reading from Genesis feels like a good example of this. It begins, The Lord said to Abram, Okay, slow down. How do God and Abram know each other? What's their relationship like? What kinds of things do they talk about? This would be a good time to drop a, to understand today's reading, it helps to have a little bit of context, except for the fact that there is no context. This is it. There's nothing in chapter 11 of Genesis that's going to help us make any sense out of this story. Abram is named in chapter 11, but he's just a person. Which means when God and Abram spoke, they had no personal relationship. There's no context for anything that's happening in this story. And that's the point. There's no setup. There's no moment in chapter 11 where Abram says, I would love to have a conversation with God, so I'm going to do some praying on my own and cross my fingers, see what happens. Abram never tries to cajole God down from the heavens. The conversation they have is the result of nothing that Abram does. In confirmation, we, kind that, we call that kind of religion, us getting to God, up religion. Up religion says you have to do something to be in relationship with God. You have to behave the right way. You have to come to church. You have to be a certain kind of person. If God is going to speak to someone like you, then you've got to put some work in. But this story of Abram is the paradigmatic example of down religion. And down religion, which is hopefully what we teach in practice here, says that God comes to us. The relationship with God isn't the result of your choice. It's the result of God's choice. So what was Abram doing before God called him? We don't know. Which is the author's way of telling us that it really doesn't matter. Down religion, God coming to us, is all about promises. Promises with no logic, no precursor, no setup, no context. For Abram, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. For us, you are a child of God. This is my body. I am with you always. This promise creates a new reality, a new thing for us to trust in. God was, is now, and ever shall be interested in creating something new where there was nothing before. Now, this is different than how many people think about God in the Hebrew Bible. There's a kind of latent anti-Semitism in many of our readings of Scripture that believes that in the Hebrew Bible, God just gave people lots of laws and was very angry all the time. And then in the New Testament, God changed his mind, started over, and decided to be really nice all the time. Old Testament God is God of wrath. New Testament God is God of love. But this way of reading scripture only makes sense if you don't actually read scripture. The Hebrew Bible readings we hear in this season of Lent are all about God coming to us to create a new reality out of nothing. Last week, we heard one of the creation stories where God forms humanity. This week, we hear of God's covenant with Abraham and the making of a new people. 
In a couple weeks, in fact, we'll hear about God bringing new life from dry bones. What we see in these stories is not a God who's wrathful or angry at us, but a God who meets us again and again with no context, no setup, no precursor to bring us to new life. In fact, there's an interesting example of this in today's reading from Romans, where St. Paul is trying to figure out the relationship between Jews and early Christ followers. And when he tries to come up with the figure who represents the heart of the Jewish faith, who's the person he chooses? We'd probably say it's Moses. Moses gives the people the law. That's when Judaism kind of starts. St. Paul says that the heart of Judaism is actually Abraham. And it's Abraham because God considered Abram righteous, not because he behaved well up religion, but because he trusted God's promises down religion. People often mistakenly assume that Jesus is God starting over, and now Jews have to convert into the church, which is God's plan B to find salvation. But St. Paul says something else. That Jesus is God's word opening the circle of God's people even wider than it was before. The word of promise that came to Abram in the wilderness is the same word made flesh in Jesus. And the promise God gives Abram is what? Well, it's land, it's descendants, those are the two big ones. But it's something more than that. Abram, God, excuse me, God promises to make Abram a blessing. God says that Abram, whose life is so uninteresting, the author of Genesis finds nothing to say about it, will be someone of universal significance. The world will benefit from Abraham not because of his land or his kids, but because of who he is as a person. When Abram trusts that God will make him a blessing to others, when he takes that first step away from his family and his land and his old hopes toward God's promised future, everything changes. Not just for Abram, but for all of us. This is part of why the concept of Abrahamic faiths is so important for us. When we talk about Jews, Christians, and Muslims being Abrahamic faiths, we're not just saying that we all have this common ancestor who's in all of our stories, which who cares? We're claiming that we've been grafted together by an act of God that we had nothing to do with. When we talk about Abrahamic faiths, we're not talking about geology and family trees. We're talking about God's promise. To be a part of an Abrahamic faith is to be a child of God's promise. It's to receive something from the people who came before you and to pass it on to the people who come after you. It's to be able to recognize that you yourself can live as a blessing for other people. Not that your money is a blessing, not that your time is a blessing, not that your service is a blessing, but that you are a blessing. What the world needs is not just your money or your time or your service or your ideas. What the world needs is you. That's why every week we end our liturgy with the same word that God spoke to Abraham. Just go. Leave what you know. Leave what feels familiar. Leave what feels comfortable. And go bring that word of promise to someone else. As I was planning the liturgy for this week, I was looking for prayers from the countries on our prayer list, which are the Scandinavian countries this week. And I came across this blessing from a pastor in Oslo, Norway. 
Go. Go in haste. Never stop walking out of the church room, out from peace and tranquility, into the noise and discomfort, out to laughter and tears. Carry with you the living bread as a treasure in your hands, in your heart. Share it over and over again. It will always be enough as long as you continue to break it. It will always be enough as long as you continue to break it. That living bread, of course, is all of us. All of us who are wearied by the trials of life. All of us who are unsure if we have anything worthwhile to offer. All of us who, just like Abram, find that after all of our searching for God, God's come to us. So go. That living bread will always be enough, as long as you continue to break it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.